This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Okay, welcome to the show. We are Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, ESPN2, all of our ESPN stations across the country, Sirius XM Channel 80. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Well, when you hear Meek Mill, you know that means it was a good night for Philly as the Eagles went on the road and beat the Kansas City Chiefs in a game you saw on ESPN. Monday Night Football felt like a big game. It was a big game, 21-17. Philly beats Kansas City along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. Good morning, everybody. How are we doing today? Well, Ev, you knew what time it was. I mean, the energy, the pregame speeches from both quarterbacks, that was a playoff type of atmosphere in Arrowhead. And the Eagles came out on the right side of that game. And I can't give credit enough to their fortitude because things didn't go their way in the first half, but they picked it up in the second half. They were able to capitalize on some of the miscues that the Kansas City Chiefs have, and they got a huge, huge win. To me, that win does more for the Philadelphia Eagles in the way of confidence than it is an indictment on the Kansas City Chiefs as true title contenders. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more, especially since the Chiefs had it right until the end. They had an opportunity to still get the job done. But when you're the team that loses in the Super Bowl, whether you wanted to view this as a revenge game or not, that's what it felt like. And if you're the Philadelphia Eagles, to be able to walk away with a victory like that, a hard-fought victory, especially when you were down and the offense wasn't really clicking for you in the first half, I think that this is uh, obviously a massive win for Philly, but as CeCe said, huge on the confidence scale. Yeah, when you look at this game last night, of course, um, you got to look at that second half. Yet again, Kansas City not scoring points. Amazingly enough, this is the third straight game that Kansas City has not scored a touchdown in the second half. And there were two massive red zone turnovers, one interception by Mahomes, one fumble by Travis Kelsey. And on that final drive, complete and utter disaster. You know, we played Meek Mill. And uh, coming in Philadelphia's own, we could have played drop it like it's hot a little Pharrell because they were <laughs> dropping it like crazy. We are going to all talk about the Marquez Valdez Scantling drop that could have been a touchdown that could have potentially won the game for Kansas City on their final offensive drive. We're going to talk about the Justin Watson drop on that fourth down, which could have kept that drive alive, giving them a first down. But oh, by the way, CeCe. The best offensive player that they, the best weapon that they have, Travis Kelsey, who did have a fourth down catch, who had a couple of catches on that final drive that went for naught, also had a drop. And they lead the league in drops with 26. They had five last night. This is now a major problem for Kansas City. Not only are they leading the league right now, but it's the most drops through the first 10 games of a season in the last 10 years. Wow. That's where the Chiefs are at when it comes to reliable pass catchers. Now, Travis Kelsey, I would say that's more of an outlier. That's an aberration. He's certainly not going to fumble the ball in the red zone like we saw at the beginning of the fourth quarter and take away an opportunity for points. But those other guys got to step up, man. Like, it's time. MVS and Rishi Rice and, and Kadarius Tony. It's time for those guys to step up, to grow up, and embrace the role to be threats in the passing game, especially downfield outside of the numbers. That's the element that's missing out of this Kansas City Chiefs offense. But good news, Chiefs fans, you got a championship-caliber defense. And I've been saying this for the better part of the last month. The Chiefs are one of the top three defenses in the National Football League, and they might not be three. They're right there with the Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns. They're that good. And I don't think enough people are paying attention. We, we, we hit the panic alarm when it comes to what we're seeing from the Chiefs offense and this team overall. But this iteration of Kansas City is going to be a little bit different. If they're going to win a title this year, 
it's going to be a defense that carries this team to the championship rounds. It'll be up to Matt Mahomes and Andy Reid at the end of the games to make magic happen, but it'll be because of the defense being the constant, being the mainstay, and that's that's a little bit different. That's a departure from what we've seen through the first five years of Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes with the Kansas City Chiefs. So just because it looks different doesn't mean that the Chiefs aren't true contenders. Their offense just has to figure it out. But their defense will give them time to do so. I'm not going to panic because they have two losses to NFC opponents and one loss in the division. This is still a 7-3 football team that's really, really good, and they have the best player on the planet. I just think that those receivers have got to clean up the drops in order for this team to realize its potential. But ultimately, it's going to be determined, the ceiling, by what the defense is able to do and how far the defense is able to carry them. Yeah, I guess that's the good news and the bad news, right, guys? The the Chiefs are still there. They're the problem and the solution. The defense, as you mentioned, CC is sound. We know what, what Patrick Mahomes can do, and he obviously put them in a position last night where they could have won the game. But it's just so uncharacteristic to see a Chiefs team, especially a Chiefs offense, beat themselves. And and that, to me, was one of the big takeaways. Never want to beat yourself. You never want – but especially if you're the Kansas City Chiefs, that just feels so uncharacteristic. <laughs> now, you know what? <laughs> I just I – just, you know, I don't know how to how to recover from that one. You know, I'm like that's like an MVS ball that I, I dropped. And I just don't you really just know how, this how to balls. We don't want to drop passes on the sports. We're like, come on, yeah, now. You really don't. You really don't. See, we see, can't you, do that. You took me off guard with that one. But you know, they dropped like you mentioned. Season high five passes dropped last night. Three on that final drives. 88 total air yards that they lost with that one. You just hope that this isn't something that is consistent throughout the. Well, rest here's of the, the thing. Season. Okay, I'm going to pick up where you left off here because sometimes <laughs> if you don't have anybody else to help you, you're going to beat yourself, right? I mean, Patrick Mahomes doesn't have anybody else to help him here. That's the problem. He, there's nobody. There is nobody helping this guy. Travis Kelsey is not the same player this year that he was last year or the years past. Maybe injury is because of it. You know, mm-hmm. the drops are all over the place. I'm going to go on the record right now. Now, don't ask follow-ups on this because I don't have an answer to this. But I'm going to go on the record right now and say that somehow, some way. The Chiefs will enter the postseason this year with another wide receiver that is not on their team right now. Someone will get released. They'll find a way to get someone out of retirement. I don't know who. I just If I'm Brent Beach, the general manager, and I'm Andy Reid, the head coach, I can't consciously think I can go into the postseason with this group and win a Super Bowl if they're going to have these kinds of drops. They're not going to be weapons. We're not going to score in the second half. i got to figure out a way of getting someone else in here. I just don't know who that someone else is. It has to be unconventional. Like, you know, Martavis Bryant was a guy that was coming off a suspension. We speculated, could the Chiefs go after him? And he signs with the Dallas Cowboys, right, if I'm not mistaken? Mm -hmm. CC, they got to find someone, and I don't know where you could find that someone, but they have to find someone to help out here past the trade deadline. I don't know if they do have to find someone, Ev. I mean, they ran the ball for 170 yards last night. I mean, if you take away Pat Mahomes' scrambles, you're talking about still having 130 yards of production in the run game by your backs and receivers. They're giving them help. It just looks different, and we have to get comfortable with how it looks. Now, conversely, for the Philadelphia Eagles, 
if you see the Kansas City Chiefs again in a big game, you got a problem because you can't stop their run game. That was an issue in Super Bowl 57, so that's one of the things that you got to look at. But the Kansas City Chiefs, if they cash in on the red zone opportunities that they had instead of making them turnovers, if they don't have as many drop passes, I think you're talking about a completely different outcome. So, again, it's more about the miscues from the Chiefs than it was about anything that the Eagles did. Now, credit to the Eagles. They forced the takeaways, if you want to view it that way. I'll give credit for them making the big plays in the passing game. Devontae Smith, I'll give credit to Brian Johnson, even though our producer Pat Costello doesn't want to, with the, <laughs> the red zone draw for Jalen Hurts that ends up being a touchdown against the Kansas City nickel blitz. I, I'll give credit to those things. But to me, I, I, I left that game and I said, these are the best two teams in football. And they are poised for a collision course in the biggest game that the, the sport has to offer the Super Bowl uh, come February in Vegas. So I, I, I didn't see anything last night that surprised me other than the red zone turnovers by Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey because those guys don't do that. But Andy Reid said it in the postgame. If you lose the turnover battle and you don't cash in in the red zone, you're going to get beat. The Philadelphia Eagles had one more takeaway. The Philadelphia Eagles were perfect in the red zone. Kansas City was two for four. That was the difference in the game. I don't want to overcomplicate it. I don't think it's a break glass in case of emergency type of situation. Kansas City will be fine. I'm not being dismissive of the other teams in the AFC. It's just my confidence in Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes to figure it out and the fact that you're talking about this defense being elite. What about the Philadelphia hanging around part? I think that like it's gone from a negative, I think, to a positive. Everybody's like, you know, Philadelphia hasn't had their best game. They could play better. Last night, even Jalen Hurts, after the game, was talking about the idea of we could be better on, on offense. I, I'm now at the point where I've got to give them credit for always just finding ways to win. Like, I don't care that they haven't played their best game. Maybe they have played their best game. Maybe this is their version of a best game of we're going to be close enough, we're going to be able to come back from 10 points down, and we're going to just wear you down by the end of the game. Like I don't, I don't know if scoring 42 points in a game is necessarily their version of a best game. Hanging around may just be it, Smalls. Yeah, but do you feel like we've seen the best game from the Eagles yet? Yeah, I, I still yeah they beat the Chiefs on the road. Like I, that, They beat the Chiefs on the road. They can't do better than they did last night. You, it may aesthetically look better, but I don't know that they could do better than they did last night. Well, based on opponent and location, sure. Correct. But yeah. just you know, from the eye test, it still feels like there's a lot left on the table for the Philadelphia Eagles. It still feels like they haven't exactly clicked into place in every facet of the game, especially in the first half last night. Fair. But I also think we have to transition at some point to the idea of Philadelphia will find ways of winning. And it may not be pretty. It may I mean, Jalen Hurts last night threw for 150 yards and an interception. But CeCe, you ran for two touchdowns. So, like, yeah, I'm, I'm and, cool and with here's that. The, and here's the thing, Ev. One of the things we got to pay attention to, the design runs for Jalen Hurts. Those were up. And we talked to Sal Palantonio yesterday to help us preview the game. And he said he expected to see that coming off of the bye week because Hurts would be healthier. And in a big game, in a big spot like that, you saw Jalen Hurts do that. But I will give credit to the Philadelphia Eagles in this regard. They answered scores with scores. And they answered the turnover with a takeaway. Like, to me, those are signs of a good team recognizing the moment and the urgency that you have to play with in order to get momentum back in your favor. Championship teams understand that, and they execute at a high level in those spots. That's what we saw from the Philadelphia Eagles last night. 
888-SAY-ESPN is your telephone number. You can be a part of Unsportsmanlike Nation on the Dots or Pepper call in line. That's 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776, ESPN Nation, presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the ones fans deserve. Last night, you saw these two teams get closer to the Super Bowl or further away from the Super Bowl. They were in it last year. What you saw last night gets you closer to thinking we're going to see Philly and Kansas City or further away, farther away, whatever the right terminology is, from thinking that we are going to see Kansas City and Philadelphia in the Super Bowl. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. That is your telephone number to be a part of the show. Coming up, we'll get your phone calls in, plus both of them get back or both of them don't get back. We'll get to that next on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about Electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus. Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Philadelphia wins the Super Bowl rematch 21-17 over the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead. It is Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, ESPN2, Sirius XM80, all of our great ESPN stations across the country, along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. Are teams looking at last night thinking, you know what? Maybe we got a shot now. Could anybody, CC, look at this and say, maybe there's a case why both these teams won't get back to the Super Bowl after watching last night? Um, if that anybody is out there, it'd be the San Francisco 49ers just because of how they play, their physical outfit on offense. They want to run the football when they're healthy. Uh, and seeing how much mileage the Kansas City Chiefs were able to get in the run game would be the thing that would lead you to believe that they could replicate that if and when those two teams met again in the postseason in the championship round. So there's that. There's the element of the Chiefs' defense being able to completely shut down A.J. Brown, who's one of the hottest receivers in the NFL. So there's something to be gained from looking at that. So if you can run the football against that Eagles' defense and set up opportunities for play-action pass on the back end, which has proven itself to be sus, and then you have the element of being able to take away the number one threat that Jalen Hurts has at his disposal in A.J. Brown, you feel pretty good about yourselves. Like that, that, that to me is why the San Francisco 49ers are in position, if they're able to maintain their health, to knock off the Philadelphia Eagles. As far as teams in the AFC going up against the Chiefs, I don't think they're going to get that kind of turnover luck, that type of red zone luck against the Chiefs offense. That's just completely uncharacteristic of an Andy Reid coach team. 
That's a team that that doesn't lose November and later at home. I think the record going into last night was 22-1. and So there's that element to it. But then there's also the element of how good Andy Reid is off of a bye. With the Chiefs, he's 21-4. and So, I mean, I just think last night was a lot of outliers for the Chiefs. Credit where credit is due. That game meant a lot to the Eagles, and they played as such. But I don't think the other AFC juggernauts can dial it up to that level with the Kansas City Chiefs when the Chiefs don't have the self-inflicting wounds. Smalls, we asked the question at Unsports ESPN um, in the Dr. Pepper inbox there. Better chance on Twitter. Better chance of making it back to the Super Bowl. The options, four of them. Chiefs, Eagles, neither, both. Where are you going on that? I'm going with the Philadelphia Eagles, and I know that it's never a good idea to bet against Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and the Kansas City Chiefs based on what we've seen out of them uh, since those two became together. But I don't know. I just look at the Chiefs, and even though they had the opportunity to win the game last night, and it's not as if the Eagles came out and were world beaters against them, they just have a vulnerability about them this year that you really haven't seen in years past, whether it is the dropped passes or the, the lack of fear around the weapons on the offense or the second half struggles that we've seen over the past few games they haven't scored a second half point in in three straight games it's just a different version of the Kansas City Chiefs than we've seen in years past and I wonder if this is the year where another AFC team can break through very fair I mean look at what they did last night CeCe's right maybe it's an outlier but it is a different version the two red zone uh, turnovers with those two players Mahomes and Kelsey and then all the drops especially on that final drive the one thing I I will say Ev when you look at the remaining schedule for the Chiefs in comparison to the other AFC teams like the Dolphins, like the Ravens, like the Jags, like the Browns, nobody has an easy easier schedule. I mean, nobody. The Chiefs only play one opponent that's over 500 in their remaining seven, ga- in, in, in seven games, and that opponent happens to be the Buffalo Bills, and that's in Arrowhead. So outside of that, nobody else on their remaining schedule has a winning record. I, I mean, you, you have to feel good about Kansas City being in that spot. You just have to in order for them to wrap up the number one seat. 888-SAY-ESPN, Dr. Pepper call in line. Let's get to the phones on last night's game with the Eagles and the Chiefs. Better chance of getting back there. You think both will get back there. You think neither get back there. And there, of course, Means playing in February at the Super Bowl. Brock in Newport News, listening on Sirius XM Channel 80. What's up, Brock? Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, so, so real quick for me, I don't, I, I don't think it's so cut and dry or that easy to be able to say they're both going to get back or neither are going to get back. What I will say is, I think this year it is a total different look than it was with both of these teams as it was last year. Neither team is playing as good as they should be playing. And I think the conversation that we keep having every week about both teams being like, hey, they either just going to figure it out or they're just kind of maybe just hanging around. I don't think that's good enough when you're having the conversation in the NFC specifically with teams like Dallas, teams like the Lions, when the conversation every week is how good they're playing, how you know, dominant they are you can't have conversations about teams being so dominant and then the Eagles just hanging around and then just thinking the Eagles are just a lock yeah it's a very fair point it's one of those points that you look back upon and the Eagles are going to win the Super Bowl this year we're going to say well of course they did they won every close game they were never out of games they never had to like what we thought their best was didn't need to actually happen this is their best or if they don't go to the Super Bowl or don't win the Super Bowl, we'll look back and say, yeah, they never really clicked all year. They were winning games, smoke and mirrors, the whole thing. And that it seems like the way the Eagles are playing right now, 
is kind of going to be indicative of the rest of the season. It's just we don't know how we're going to retroactively look at it, if that makes sense. Because, like, there's not that dominant performance necessarily that we hang our hat on with the Eagles like we're kind of used to, I guess, in this spot. Yeah, but I guess my whole point with the Eagles is the calling card is supposed to be the strength of that team in the trenches at the line of scrimmage. Did did any of y'all watch that game and say they overwhelmed Kansas City at the line of scrimmage? Because I didn't. Only they, on they, the they tush got push. Out, well, I mean, the, the tush push, okay, that's great. That's That's one of the most unstoppable plays, but – you're still talking about them only having one sack on Patrick Mahomes last night and the Chiefs rushing for 168 yards. That doesn't sound like dominating the line of scrimmage, at least not to me. Conversely, what the Chiefs were able to do with the run game and with their pass rush, being able to log five sacks on Jalen Hurts, not to mention all the tackles for loss. To me, it showed that the Kansas City Chiefs are up for the task when it comes for winning the physical battle at the line of scrimmage. That is a formula for success for any team when it gets to playoff-style football, and that's the part that gives me a little pause with the Eagles because what's supposed to be your strength wasn't your strength when you're going up against another championship-contending, championship-caliber team in in the Kansas City Chiefs. So that's one of those things that made me raise a little bit of an eyebrow. Again, they were good when it came to takeaways. They were good when it came to situational football, but the part that jumps out to me is how Kansas City was able to dominate at the line of scrimmage. And that's why I think four teams like Detroit, four teams like San Francisco, that could be a problem once we get to the playoffs in the NFC. Brian in Pennsylvania listening on Sirius XM 80. What's up, Brian? Hey, fellas. Good morning. Morning. Hey, really quick. Number one, isn't it amazing how you have a sport called the NFL where you have car crashes every play, but then you have a play called the Tush Push? Uh, that's amazing to me. <laughs> Number two, the uh, the uh, I feel like the Chiefs have a lesser chance of making it back to the Super Bowl this year, and the reason why is um, I know you mentioned the Niners um, in the in the NFC. Um, that's a huge uh, going to be a huge task um, for the Eagles, but doable. I just feel like the Chiefs just don't have the offensive firepower this year. To play with the you know with the Dolphins who are super high powered offense and then you know Lamar Jackson, uh, Joe Burrow getting hurt I think is going to make it a lot easier too because we know he's his kryptonite. Uh, yeah, and and the thing about the Chiefs though, and thank you for the phone call. The thing about the Chiefs smalls this year is they may not have to have as high powered of an offense because if we're used to them scoring in the thirties and winning games, they may be able to this year in a playoff game hypothetically score in the 20s and win because of how good that defense is. Yeah, the defense has certainly kept them in the game, as Patrick Holmes talked about that last night. But when it gets down to it in the playoffs, don't you expect them to win on Pat, on a Patrick Mahomes play, on on him becoming Superman somehow? And if you're not seeing that from him consistently, especially as we get later and later into the season, I just wonder if a team like the Baltimore Ravens couldn't come in and the, have the offense be the difference in that game. Yeah, I mean, it's very it's very fair. It is very fair that if you're looking at the Chiefs, especially last night, which I know, Smalls, you've said this all show already, it feels different. It feels I don't even want to say beatable, but I'm going to say hypothetically you could get to a place where maybe you could beat them. I want to put a lot of caveats on It's that. a scary thing to even say because it is the Kansas City Chiefs. Right. It is Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid. But it, it, if you're the opposition in the AFC, 
I just think for the first time in many years, you're looking at the construction of of this team and you're viewing it a little differently. Totally A little differently. Now, you don't want to get too high on the hog because this is that group and they will find a way to beat you and they could have won this game last night. But I just think for the first time in a handful of years, I'm looking at them as beatable in a different way. I think you're absolutely fair in your assessment there. All right, coming up. We will have Canty's power rankings, plus maybe a little Thanksgiving power ranking as well. We will get to that. It's Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Evan, Canty, and Michelle are Unsportsmanlike. It's time for Canty's NFL Power Rankings. Unsportsmanlike presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycles, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. CC, top five teams in the NFL, your power rankings. What do you have for us today? Oh, yes. The Week 12 edition of the NFL Power Rankings. We are here. It's Turkey Day, so of course that means separate the pretenders from the contenders. And now we got to put a little more weight into the power rankings. So let's get this thing kicked off. Javante in the 3 one Detroit Lions fans, stand up. Listen, I get it. It shouldn't be a down-to-the-wire nail-biter game against the Chicago Bears, but in a situation where you were outplayed for the first 56 minutes of the game to find a way on back-to-back drives to get the length, to drive the length of the field and to cash in with touchdowns for and go-ahead points with the, David Montgomery, a former Chicago Bear, putting the exclamation point on it, I mean, you have to feel good about that sports character of this team. Being able to overcome the early adversity, Jared Goff, starting the game with throwing back-to-back picks to find a way to fight through it and get a win against a division opponent, that's very impressive, which has got the Lions back up in the power rankings. Next. Number four. San Francisco 49ers. Now listen, this team is a shell of itself when it's not healthy. When you got Trent Williams, Debo Samuel out of the lineup, it is not the same offense. Brock Purdy is not the same quarterback. But since the bye week, both of those key actors have been back in the lineup in addition to Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, uh, and all and George Kittle. And all they've done is roll the Jacksonville Jaguars and roll the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, outscoring them by a combined 61 to 17. And Brock Purdy during that span is completing 78% of his passes, 629 passing yards, six touchdowns to zero interceptions. So the moral of the story is when he's got the full complement of weapons around him in that offense, 
Brock Purdy is playing quarterback at an MVP level, and I would expect that that will continue to be the trend as we move through the second half of the NFL season. Next. Number three. The Baltimore Ravens. Got a little bit of good news coming out of Baltimore early this week with Ravens head coach John Harbaugh intimating that Mark Andrews, all-world tight end, could be back in the regular season. And now we're anticipating that being, you know, the latter part of the regular season in January, so to speak. But to be able to have a piece like that once you get to the playoffs is so important because that's the majority of your production in the passing game in the red zone. The Ravens have 11 passing touchdowns in the red zone. Mark Andrews got six of them. That's a huge chess piece for offensive coordinator Todd Munkin and Lamar Jackson. To have that guy in the lineup means that the Ravens could contend for a number one seed in the AFC, and once they get into the playoffs, to be the team to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. Next. Number two. The Kansas City Chiefs. It's Andy Reid. It's Pat Mahomes. Now, the the thing that impressed me the most is that defense for the Chiefs last night. They were able to hold down Jalen Hurts in a lot of respects. They were able to get after him with the pass rush. And you saw Steve Spagnola dialing it up with different guys coming after him, whether it was Trent McDuffie from the star position or it's Chris Jones breaking down the interior of the pocket, George Karloftis being able to put some heat on him. They got a lot of guys that can put pressure on the quarterback, and Spags knows how to mix it up and keep opposing offenses and quarterbacks off balance to me. The defense for the Kansas City Chiefs is elite. That sets the floor for what this team is going to be, which is obviously a kind of contender. But I think what sets the ceiling is those receivers being able to round into form and become reliable targets for Pat Mahomes. Concerned that they don't score in the second half. They've gone three straight games with scoring no points in the second half. But what I saw in the first half against the Philadelphia Eagles was enough for me to have conviction that the Kansas City Chiefs will once again be in the AFC title game. Next. Number one. The Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, listen, it was strength on strength last night. Both teams healthy coming off of a bye. And they went toe-to-toe with the team that has hosted the conference championship game for the last five years. I, I just I was impressed that they were able to get their lick back from Super Bowl 57, go into Arrowhead, be in all business, and take care of it. The throw from Jalen Hurts to Devontae Smith, I, I can't say enough about that connection, being able to step up when A.J. Brown was taken off the board by Steve Spagnola. Devontae Smith found a way to make plays in the passing game, including a beautiful over-the-shoulder grab that set up points for a touchdown, go-ahead points. That, to me, says a lot. They were able to force a couple of takeaways. They were able to be good in the red zone defensively. I, I think those things matter. That's a good formula for success once we get to playoff-style football. So there it is. Philadelphia Eagles, once again, top dogs in the power rankings. Kansas City Chiefs, number two. The Baltimore Ravens, three. 49ers, four. And the Detroit Lions, five. Smalls, you are my accountability partner. Any objections, any omissions? I think the list is absolutely perfect, CeCe. Now, what about this group of teams that got wins this weekend over Opponents, they should have won, but I'm sure their fan bases are wondering why they're not in the power rankings. The Dolphins, the Browns, the Cowboys, or the Jags? Which one of those is hovering around number six? Well, the Cowboys and the Dolphins haven't beaten anybody. I mean, I'll give I'll give credit to them. They, they play their schedule, and they beat bad teams on their schedule. The Browns probably have a legitimate beef, 
But again, I didn't like the way that Stefanski and DTR managed the game plan offensively. And if they keep doing that, they're going to find themselves on the losing side of a lot of games down the stretch. So that's why the Cleveland Browns slipped out of the power rankings. I, I get it. They have the best defense in the NFL, but you got to score points to win. And and right now, I don't have a whole lot of confidence that they can do that. They're not going to get the benefit of playing against the Kenny Pickett-led Steelers offense every single week. All right, there's the NFL power rankings. We're two days away from Thanksgiving, Smalls, so we need to do our Thanksgiving side power rankings. Or is it Thanksgiving side or anything outside of the turkey? However you want to break this down mm, here. I you, think, o- you always give an add-on power ranking. we got to do Thanksgiving version of it today. Let's keep it to sides okay. just because if you bring desserts in, we're talking a whole nother ball game. That's yeah. true. You That's know, true. Good it's point. It's totally different. So we're going to remove turkey from the equation. Top two Thanksgiving sides. Checking in at number two for me, sweet potatoes. However you want to make them, whether it's just regular sweet potatoes, sweet potato casserole. Some people love to put marshmallows on the top, a little brown sugar. Mm. Sweet potatoes are always on the plate for me. And, guys, number one, it's obvious. It's stuffing. It has to be stuffing. My family makes stuffing um, in an amazing way. We do Italian sourdough bread, some spicy Italian sausage. It is usually the star of the show. That sounds outstanding. Mac and cheese? Hello? We're going to have mac and cheese in the mix? You're not putting mac and cheese in there. We we normally don't have that at Thanksgiving, which I think is a huge miss by my family. Yeah, really, no yeah. mac and cheese at Thanksgiving in the Smallman house. Which is weird. You think Italians would have mac and cheese? I I just don't know, guys. Maybe I need to be the one to bring it to the table. And- yeah, we need to throw a challenge flag on that one, <laughs> uh, a penalty flag or something, some kind of flag on the play. That is unsportsmanlike if I've ever heard of it. No mac and cheese on Thanksgiving. And I don't Come know if this smalls? is a hot take. I, I don't know if it's a hot take ashamed, or not, but I would take mashed potatoes over sweet potatoes. Ugh. Why? Why do you, do you not like yourself? Yeah, Why would you do I that? Correct. I actually don't like myself, but that has nothing to do with this specific take. I like mashed potatoes a lot. Well, uh, either way, you need therapy. I mean, you don't like yourself. You don't. You prefer guys, mashed potatoes over sweet potatoes. Either way, you need therapy, no matter how you slice it. Mashed potatoes are so much better than sweet potatoes. Yeah, Pat. No, it's not even close. No, yeah, Pat. No, it's not even no, close. No, Get them. No. Mashed potatoes have no flavor. Mashed potatoes. Exactly. You have to add things to the mashed potatoes. You have to add the the marshmallows to the sweet potatoes. No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't. You're not eating just plain sweet potato. Yes, you are. No, you're not. You enhance the sweet potato. You enhance the sweet potato by adding the brown sugar and all the marshmallows and all that stuff. But the sweet potato is perfectly fine in and of itself on its own. It can stand alone. The mashed potatoes can't. They just can't. They just cannot. No, you have to have gravy with it. You guys are insane. Mashed potatoes and gravy sounds amazing right now. Like, sounds absolutely amazing. And you're you're spinning it somehow negatively. Overrated. 888-SAY-ESPN. 888-729-3776. Dr. Pepper, call in line. All right, you got a bigger issue with CC's power rankings or Small's (laughs) power rankings? Which one do you have a bigger issue with here? Uh, Plus, we'll get your phone calls in on that. Plus, are we all turning on Jim Harbaugh? I don't know that I necessarily am. I may love something he said yesterday. We will get to that coming up. It's on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 
We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. We are Unsportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance, along with Chris Canty, Michelle Smallman, Evan Cohen with you. Michigan-Ohio State coming up on Saturday. Of course, all of the drama around Michigan, Harbaugh's suspension. People may think the locker room is broken. Well, not per the head coach of the Wolverines, who offered this unbelievable take-slash-comparison yesterday. It's like the Ted Lasso show. You know, um, believe. And what comes out of that is believe. And I'm just so proud. Just so proud of our team. Despite that noise, our locker room's in one piece. And uh, you know, like Ted, for me, locker rooms, a lot like my mom's bathing suits. I like to see them in one piece. <laughs> I, I laughed. I got to be honest. Wow. I got to be honest. I laughed wow. from that. No? I no, mean, he's I mean, ripping it, it from Ted Lasso. This is not a Jim Harbaugh original. I understand that, but the, conceptually, using that comp is a very good way of describing one piece. You don't want your mom's bathing suit in more than one piece. You just don't. I'm just saying. Who wants to? You're going to deny that? You no, want to go not, to the beach no, with your mom in a bikini? No, nobody's denying that, Ev. I just don't think anybody wants to think about their mom in a bathing suit. Just, just putting it out there. <laughs> Nobody no. wants C. to think C. about that. I just made it even worse. I'm now saying you should be thinking about your mother in a bikini. It's basically because the opposite, right, of what Harbaugh is saying is now play out when your locker room is broken. It's your mother in a bikini. That's like, are the Chargers, is the Chargers franchise right now, the Jets, are we saying it's their mothers in a bikini? That's what it is? That, that is That is all bad. That is all bad. I don't like where you're taking this analogy. I, I just think it's not a good place for us to live on the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, before everybody's going to be spending time with their family. So I just, I don't know, Ev. I, I get what he was trying to say. I get what he was trying to say. And Jim Harbaugh's not wrong. Like, like this was one of those things that could galvanize a locker room. It can make a team a lot closer. And that's the effect that it seems to be having under their interim head coach. It looks like that's what's happening. They had a hard-fought game on the road in College Park against Maryland, and they were able to come through with a win. They went on the road and got a win against Penn State. So now being able to have yet another moment, another opportunity to rally about how they feel like they've been unfairly treated and not having their head coach on the sidelines, they're, they're playing this us-against-the-world card. Nobody believes in us. And, and it's interesting because you usually don't have a team that's this talented that can actually play that card, but they do have that chip because of what's happened with the sign-stealing scandal and the subsequent NCAA and Big Ten investigations. How often can you see a team that's as good as Michigan, considered the best along with Georgia in all of college football, playing the the us-against-the-world-nobody-believes-in-us card? Not very often. But the NCAA and the Big Ten gave them ammunition. And for all of those Big Ten coaches that were clamoring for ways to try to dethrone Jim Harbaugh in the Michigan football program, this might be one of those things that actually backfires on them. 
and the tale will be told on Saturday when they kick off the game in the big house. Yeah, it's kind of crazy that even though they're in a situation of their own making, that it somehow has fortified them. It's supposed to take them down, but it somehow fortified them. And guys, I hate cheaters more than anybody. Like, I still hate the New England Patriots because of Spygate. I loathe the Houston Astros because of what they did with their their cheating and their sign stealing. But for some reason... I don't know what's wrong with me. Maybe I'm in the holiday spirit. This Michigan thing is not hitting as hard for me. I'm not as angry at them. And they're not doing anything to make to sway me one way or the other. But I just don't understand why I'm not as annoyed with them or why I haven't turned on them in the way that I have other cheaters. I have an answer. Okay, tell me. Because I can't figure it out. They haven't won yet. But they were winning in spite right. of all of this. But you don't have to associate your assessment of cheating with the champion right now it's just an Mm. undefeated college football team that doesn't have a win against the team that you need them to have a win against which is this saturday in ohio state that if all of a sudden they beat ohio state and they beat florida state or washington and then they beat georgia and they're national champs and you have harbaugh holding up a trophy and you have him not answering questions about connor stallions on that podium post game or pregame I promise you, you will turn on him. Because it's in process still. It yes. hasn't hit for me yet because if we haven't seen the final if result. If the Pats didn't win, you don't care. Like, people don't – the Jets had a Deflategate situation. Nobody cares. Well, no one cares about Deflategate, right. period. But, that was just retribution but, for how bad Spygate was, the how they bungled app, it. The, <laughs> Apple, the Apple Watch situation with the Yankees, Red Sox, whatever it was, they didn't win those years. Like, we don't care about that. So if Michigan doesn't win at all – you won't care. The moment they win it all, you are, that take we are going to replay in about a month or two, and you're going to sit here, and you're going to shake your head saying, I can't believe I said that. And I think you just nailed it. It's We're in process. We're not finished with this yet. And this is the last, at least right now, the last game that we will see them without Harbaugh. But I want to go back to one thing. I said it on that Monday. That hockey game. I'm going to look back at that hockey game. The hockey game? What are you talking about? When Jim Harbaugh, the night of the Penn State game, took the Michigan team to the hockey game, we came on the air on that Monday and we said, listen to this sound, and it's everybody at Michigan, in Ann Arbor, free Harbaugh, right? Or whatever the chant was, CC. Yeah. And we, we said, boy, this is a rallying cry. He now is a folk hero for them in a different way than he was previously. There's no doubt about it, Ev, and it's interesting because Smalls gave the example of Spygate and she gave the example of the Houston Astros. Well, remember, 2007, the Patriots went undefeated in the regular season and they eventually lost to the New York Giants, but they, they went undefeated in the regular season. And then the Houston Astros, when they went through their sign-stealing scandal on the other side of it, they won a championship with Dusty Baker. So I'm just I'm just putting it out there like those – those types of things, these types of investigations by governing bodies have a way of, uh, I, like Small said, fortifying a team, galvanizing a team, bringing a locker room closer together. And when you have the kind of talent that Michigan has, it's not off the board that this could be the catalyst for them going on a college football playoff run and winning a championship. Russ in New York on Sirius XM Channel 80. What's up, Russ? How you doing, guys? And here's why Smalls and Canty are correct. The first person to ever eat the food said, hmm, let's call this a sweet potato. He didn't name it crap potato. Sweet potato <laughs> is better than potato, period, hands down, over. 
okay, I understand that. You're going to do it based on the titling of it, but mashed potatoes are excellent, too. I mean, Pat's whole point has been this entire time that it's both, like both are great. But, yeah, I would take mashed potatoes over sweet potatoes. Uh, And and the poll, by the way, is going in our favor, which is amazing. Add on Sports ESPN. I don't think that's been Pat's point. I think Pat is saying that, that, that mashed potatoes are hands down, head and shoulders above sweet potatoes. And I would argue, who doesn't want a sweet potato fry over a regular French fry? Oh, I know I do. What we're talking about. I know I do. So I'm just, I mean, you could say that's not what we're talking about, but we're talking about the, the, the different potatoes, Look, right? America I would is on our side. Go, you can say America's on your side. That's fine. Half the country hasn't I, woken up yet. Exactly. Some people zig when, and others that are, you know, others zag. But I guess my whole point is this. Anybody that's setting the Thanksgiving table, if you have the option to go sweet potatoes or mashed potatoes, I don't think that's really an option. I think based on where we're at, based on the holiday, based on all the other eats, you got to go sweet potato. That's just me. Cece, I think you hit the nail on the head right there. I'm wondering if people voting mashed potatoes don't have the option of sweet potatoes. Therefore, they're defaulting with what they know. What do you mean they don't have an option? They don't have, if they're buying mashed potatoes or regular no. potatoes, why can't they have sweet potatoes? If their family normally doesn't put a sweet potato option out on the table. Oh. Yes. Because I mean, I how guess. would you ever go mash if you could go sweet? Oh, because they're better. Yeah, I agree. I agree with Pat. I, I totally understand. agree with Pat. How are they better? The Philadelphia Eagles last night did something that not many people do. They won on the road at Kansas City. Plus, the Jets bench Zach. Next. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.